All right. Well, I'm glad you're here today. Today is going to be a little bit of a very practical Sunday. Okay. I feel like we have we have dived into some uh, deeper waters through Colossians and some uh, weighty things for you to consider. But uh, today I want to talk to you about two things and how they relate and why it's really important. Real simple. Titled the talk today, the sermon today, Work and Worship. Work and worship. All right. One of the things that you are not going to escape in this world is that you got to work. You got to work. Somebody say amen. (laughs) And uh, whether you want to or not, you're going to have to. But what I want to try to do today is help you see through the eyes of a slave how your work can become worship. Does that make sense? You tracking with me? You smelling what I'm stepping in? All right. All right. You're with me. I know by your laugh. All right. Even if it's courtesy, I know you're with me. All right. I want to. I want to. I want to start with the distinction between what ancient slavery was and what modern American slavery is. Okay, because th- there's some important things that you and I have to think through. Uh, Because when we come to Colossians chapter 3, you can put up the first verse for me that I've got in verse 22. uh, Here's what it starts with. The first word is slaves. Okay. And then the next word is obey. Okay. So anytime you start off in the 21st century United States of America with slaves obey. Okay. We need to put the brakes on (laughs) and we need to distinguish what scripture is talking about. Okay, what what does God have to say about slavery and why is this text in the Bible? Okay, so you can take the verse away and uh, I want to I want to break that down just a little bit and give you some context and then we'll dive back in. And what I think you'll really find is is a really great perspective for your life and uh, how you can work and worship at the same time, okay? But uh, let, let's start with America, right? We, we have, in my estimation, and this is just an opinion, there's no scientific data to back this up, but uh, I think you might agree with me that in our country, as we look back down the corridors of time, and we look at the United States of America, I think we have two major black eyes. The first one is abortion. I read that just... In 2018 so far, there's over 133,000 slaughtered human beings. You should be grieved by that. That hurts. And that's a huge problem in the United States of America. And God's going to remember that. And God's going to let, as Amos said, God's going to let justice flow like the river. And so that's where our hope lies. But then the second Major black eye. And so, just so you know, that at Redeemer City Church, the, both of those things are absolute evil. And we believe that, and we're not going to apologize for that. Both of those are wrong. And the outworkings of both of those today are also wrong. The racism that's in the world right now towards refugees, towards people of color... All, we, can, we can just keep going on. You know exactly what I'm talking about, unless you've been hiding under a rock, which maybe you have. You might, you might be happier than the rest of us, all right? Or at least less stressed. But you, you know what I'm talking about. 
And God is for God, and God is for justice, and that's good news. That's very, very good news. Um, and so, uh, let me just show you a verse, okay? In First Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Do we have that one? Yeah, I think so. Did I give you that one? I didn't give you that one. All right. So, if, if you're taking notes, it's in the YouVersion Bible app. If you go under events and find Reamer City Church, you can follow along. If not, grab your good old paper Bible, Amen. Or if you have your phone open, you can probably get to it incredibly fast. First, First Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. I'm reading out of the NIV today. Here's, here's what it says. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, and then for what? Slave traders. And just in case you thought you weren't on the list, this next one's for you. And liars and perjurers. And if you still think you've got it figured out, Paul throws this in for you. And for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. <laughs> all y'all are on that list, all right? And so am I. <laughs> Because here's the deal. The thing that levels the playing field in your life and mine, it doesn't matter how much money you make, doesn't matter whether you have no money, doesn't matter what color your skin is, doesn't matter anything, the thing that levels the playing field in life is the fact that you're a sinner and I'm a sinner and we need a Savior. That is the thing that levels the playing field. And so, But what I want to use this verse to point out is that God is not for... Slave trading. He's not. It is lumped in with evil and ungodliness. So I just want to be clear that God's not for slavery. Okay? And we need to know that because if we don't know that, we're going to come to a text like Colossians 3 and think that God might be for slavery. God's not for slavery. God's not for slavery at all. Now, so as you think about it from a modern American context, it's just pure evil. There, there's just there's no other backside to that coin. There's no, no good anywhere in sight. But when you come to ancient slavery, like what it's talking about here, some of your translations, I chose the NIV because it specifically translates it slaves. But uh, probably my favorite uh, translation is the ESV, and it translates it bond servants. Okay, and so what, what is the difference? Why do the translators... Uh, take a Greek word, doulos. I think Ben's got it tattooed on his arm right here. All right? Because he's cool. And uh, I tried, but, you know, some things just don't work. But uh, doulos means slave in the Greek language. It's not bondservant. It's not any, it's, it's slave. The word means slave. And uh, so why do the translators feel the need to uh, change that sometimes? It's an important question because as you read your Bible, it's going to make a difference because as you like put them side by side, you're thinking, man, one of them went slave on us and one of them went bondservant. So why? Because ancient slavery, uh, the translators who are sitting here in 21st century America want you to know that there's a small difference. There's a small difference in slavery. 
You can become a slave in ancient culture, which was in the city of Colossae, was that if a kid was born that the parents didn't want, they would put them out for the trash. Literally, like, out at the curbside type deal with the trash. And if you happened to be meandering by the trash pile one day and heard a cry, you said, oh, I can take that. And that will become my property. And then that child was raised as your slave. It was not a human being. It was property. And it could be traded like property. It was a slave. So those two, God would be against. And actually, there's some ancient accounts, some extra biblical accounts that that tell us that adoption was started by the Christian community in this time period to save those children. So pretty cool uh, light shining in the darkness. So God is for adoption. And uh, it even started in this thing. But then there were some other ways that you could become a slave. And it's why uh, translators sometimes give you bond servant instead of slave. Let me give you three of them just for you to think about as we read this. Uh, the first one was there was a certain type of uh, debt that you could collect. Like if you needed money, you could go to somebody wealthy in the community and say to them, I need X amount of dollars. And if you'll give me that, I will pay you back. But if I default on that debt, if I don't pay you back in our agreed amount of time, uh, I will become your slave for X amount of years. And so there might be a five-year agreement. And uh, at times people would put their whole family on that track. If I don't pay you back in X amount of time, my whole family will come live on your property. You'll feed us. You'll take care of us. And we'll work for you to pay back another human being and saying, can we work for you? It was less like slavery in the sense that we think about it because you're asking for help. And so those are just a few ways. So what I want you to know is that when we read this passage and we're going to be unpacking some things about work and worship, it's important for you to know that the background behind that word slave can be awful. But it wasn't always as awful as it sounds. And so what the Bible does in this context is, first of all, it's not going to condone slavery, but it's going to acknowledge that it exists. Because what, what if the Bible said you should never be a slave? Thou shalt not be a slave. How do you think the Roman government would come to said slave and say, and, you know, let's say you were a slave in some Roman household. And you came and said, well, I mean, I hate to tell you, I mean, I know I owed you $10 million, but the Bible says I should not be a slave, so you're going to have to let me go. How do you think that would go? Good or bad? Bad, bad right? So there, there's some things in Scripture where God's not condoning it, but God's acknowledging you're in that situation, and here's how you can live in that situation. So God is addressing uh, this group of people. And here's what's also really interesting even in Scripture, you see uh, spiritual leaders in the church who are slaves. And at least in one case with a guy named Onesimus, uh, at home he's under his master. But then when they go to church, he's over his master. Now go figure that one out, right? And so uh, nuanced and complex. But uh, 
So there's a num- number of ways that you could become one. Many of them had the opportunity to earn their freedom. Okay, so that is a little bit of the context. Now, where, where does that meet you and I? What, what is our best parallel to that? Because thank God, at least in our culture, we don't have slavery. Now, that we recognize it exists around the world and that uh, human trafficking is real and it's a huge problem. But in your immediate context, uh, we don't deal with slavery. You're not going to walk into your job tomorrow and be called a slave. You might feel like one sometimes, but you're not one. You can leave that job at any time under your own will. So what's the modern parallel for us? Where, Where does this text meet you and I? The best parallel we have, based on the circumstances, is work. When you go to work, you are under an agreement that you are going to provide X and be paid X. Make sense? So uh, your best way to come at this text is to say, even if, whether you like your job or not, to come at it and say, what does God, how does God want me to handle myself when I go to work? The Bible's practical for you at this point. Okay, so let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 22, we're going to read through 4.1. I think I only gave you to the end of the chapter in your notes, but I want to go one, one extra. All right? It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Verse 22, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. In everything. Obey your boss in everything. Somebody say, ouch. <laughs> it gets worse. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor. Translation, don't be a suck up. But with sincerity of heart as working for the Lord. Sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Talking about with God. And then verse 1 of chapter 4, let's just throw that in there. Masters, maybe you are the boss. Provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Okay, so uh, so a few things to think about. I wanna I wanna just give you a few things. The first thing I want I want to talk about is the fact that there are three types of workers, and uh, I want you to consider which of the three workers you are. All right, this text presents three different possibilities for you. And maybe you're looking at your life right now and saying, I'm not happy with my situation. And I want you to consider what Scripture has to offer you here, okay? The, the first one that it talks about is someone who's defiant or lazy, right? The fact that Paul has to come and say, obey your earthly master's in everything says something 
it means that there was at least a few people in the church in Colossae who were lazy. And let's be honest, when we gather, and I am at times, and so are you, going to be L-A-Z-Y, lazy, right? No amens on that one, I'm surprised. I thought you guys were tracking with me. <laughs> there are certain things I say up here that like suck the air out of the room, and like one of them is calling you lazy, I know. But what, what, what is that? And for some people, it's, I'm going to disobey because I can. And that's defiance. That's not just laziness. That's, I don't like this job. And I'm not going to do this job well because I don't like this job. And the scripture would say to you, you need to do your job. Right? Let's pick on the millennials. Okay? I am one. All right? I'm on the tail end, but I am one, praise God. All right? It means I'm still young and hip and... All of that stuff. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. <laughs> okay, so I'm not those things. But uh, I'm still hanging on to the millennials by like a year or something like that. But um, what, what is the knock on my generation? Right. Entitled. Lazy. Right? And in so- sometimes that is true. That is true. But we also know, and we are a church full of them, of Millennials who know how to work, right? And so, but what Paul's saying is, regardless of where you find yourself, whatever job God has given you, you need to obey the boss. You need to do what you have been agreed upon to do. And I'm not saying, and Paul mentions here, that you may not be treated fairly, you may not be paid properly. There may be all kinds of things surrounding that. But what Paul is telling you is that where you are, you have a responsibility and you have an ability to worship God in that place. Because what would it look like if tomorrow you walked into that job you hated and you said, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm going to affect everyone I come in contact with, with the love of Jesus. What if you made that your job, not just the task you do at your job? Would that change things? Of course it would. Of course it would. Because what does he say? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not your human master. But what if you just, for kicks, walk into work tomorrow and be like, Jesus is my boss. You just give me tasks to do. Jesus is my boss. And I'm going to serve him. I'm going to worship him today. I'm going to put my headphones in and I'm going to worship God as I do my task, or I'm going to walk across the aisle, I'm going to go look around the cubicle, I'm going to start a conversation with somebody, and we're going to talk about Jesus, because I need something in this place, this horrible place. Who, look, come on, raise your hand, you've had a bad job in your lifetime. Anybody? Come on, come on. Well, some of you are lying right now, all right? How many of you have never had a bad job? I want to, never had a bad job. Nate, you're a liar, all right? <laughs> Actually, I believe that about you. You're a really happy guy, Nate, all right? Besides Nate back there, we've all had a bad job, right? You, we, listen, we, we feel that, right? Like, there are just days where you're going to go to work. You're just not going to feel like it. You're just not, you know, I'm, I don't want to do this. This task, <clears throat> right? Like, I don't want to do it. Welcome back to middle school. You're welcome. 
But if we can, but if we can change our perspective, we can get our joy back. Because what, what's this text saying? Your joy doesn't come from your job. Your joy comes from Jesus. Can, can you remember that tomorrow? Your joy doesn't come from your job. Your joy comes from Jesus. It'll change things if you start working for the Lord. There's a second type of worker mentioned here. And I'm not going to look any of you in the eye. But the second one is the kiss-up, right? It's the kiss-up. If you're taking notes, you got defiant and lazy. Number two, you got the kiss-up. K-I-S-S-U-P. If you've never had to spell it. What, what, what is that? You know, unfortunately, we, we, all, we all know what that looks like. The person who only works when the boss is around to make it seem like they're awesome. And then they walk away and you start doing all the work. <laughs> right? We've, we've had those experiences, right? Because what does Paul say? Obey in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you. See, some of, some of you walked in here today and you forgot the Bible was relevant. That the Bible talks to specific issues that human beings have dealt with for, the, for all of time. I mean, the Bible, the very Word of God is telling us to work, not just when the boss is looking, but to work all the time. Not just for their favor, but out of reverence for the Lord. That you wouldn't steal time at your job. That's what it's talking about. I would never steal. I don't steal. I never steal. I've never stolen a thing in my life. Well, what about time? We can write along. All right. <laughs> right? Uh, you see, what, what God is, is saying is your work is, your, is part of your worship. What, what does it mean to do something in reverence for God? That's worship. The, the way that you work, what, why is that worship? Because you are left here, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit's going to empower you with dynamite power, that verse says, to be his witness. Which means that when you're at work, whether it's just the boss watching or whether it's people around you watching, you're worshiping. And people are watching. And so what this is, is it's a discipleship issue. It's you being a disciple of Jesus, making disciples in that moment where people are watching. It's really important. It's really important. Out of reverence for the Lord. He says, work with all your heart. What does it mean to work with all your heart? means to worship. But what, what are the things that we do with all of our heart? The things we care about. What is God telling you to care about when you walk into work tomorrow? The Lord. And the name of the Lord. And making His name famous. And part of how we do that is to work with all of our heart. To worship while we work. It's important. There's a third one. And it's the best one, right? The obedient one. Because we know, verse 25, that anyone who treats us wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. 
And with God, there is no favoritism. Right? And if you're a boss, verse 1 of chapter 4 tells you to do what's right and fair because you also have a master. So at, when, at the Coon House, we talk about it this way. You know, well, I'll ask my seven, five, or one-year-old, uh, who's the boss? And they'll say, Daddy. I'm like, you're right. You remember that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? And I always follow that up right away with, and who's daddy's boss? And they'll say, God. Because what they need to know, Mom, get out of here. <laughs> you need to go listen to last week's sermon. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Man, you got me. You got me. I heard, I heard you. I got good ears, ears, man. Can't get away with that stuff here. God. <laughs> but why, why is that important? Why, why is that even if you're the boss? Why is it important? Because you're not actually in charge. Everything we do, we're just stewarding what God's given to us. It's all His. If you've been blessed with a lot, you've been blessed with a lot, so you can bless a lot. And we could, we could flesh that a lot, but that's not my goal today. But what I'm telling you is that whether you're in charge at work or whether you are at the bottom of the, bottom of the heap, we all have the same responsibility to work with all of our heart as to the Lord. It says it cannot be hidden. The light shines brightest in the darkness. So if you have a really terrible job, and everybody knows it's a terrible job, you actually have the chance to shine the brightest by working heartily as to the Lord and not for men. It's important. Work is worship. You have an opportunity there. Paul says it this way to the church in Galatians. Galatians 2.20 says, Whatever you do, whether you're eating or drinking, do all to the glory of God. So when you make your sandwich this afternoon, eat that thing to the glory of God. Amen? <laughs> so, all of that's important. Let me, let me just say one other thing about this that is, that is pertinent to our culture. Okay, uh, in ancient culture here in Colossae, they leaned towards uh, their responsibilities and they would overplay their responsibilities. And so uh, God's talking to them in that. But in our culture, we lean towards our rights, don't we? Well, if, if you were to look at our culture and look at our world and you would say, do we lean towards taking responsibility or do we lean towards give me my rights? We lean towards give me my rights, don't we? And I'm, I don't have any one specific thing in mind. It's just, that's the world we live in. And I'm sure you could nuance me on that and we could argue, but that's not my point. The bottom line is, we like our rights. And what, what, what I'm saying to you from this text is that we, we need to stop looking at our rights, just our rights, and recognize that there are some ways where we... Okay, Scripture says it this way. Let me just say this. Let me let Jesus say it to you instead of me. The Bible says it this way. Lay down your life and you'll find it. And some of you have done that. Some of you have laid down your life. You've made the sacrifice. And you've seen God show up and give it back to you. Because when you lose your life, you'll find it. When you lose your life for His sake, you'll find it. And it's really important that we uh, lean on Jesus instead of anything we deserve or anything we can do. Because that's the other side, right? If I know my responsibilities and I'm good at it, I can, I can just like do, I can, I, can, I can kill it and just do really well for myself and make a lot of money and 
make it like climb the corporate ladder and, and miss Jesus the whole way up. And just think I'm going up to the top instead of Jesus is taking me somewhere so I can proclaim his fame. And so there, there's that two sides, right? Neither one of them's right. Give me all my rights or I've got all my responsibilities and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock it up the ladder. As you do one of those, uh, God's saying, hey, come back to the center. Work is worship. You have an opportunity to work heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Really important. Now, all of that to say, all right, and if you are a regular at Redeemer City Church, you knew we were going to circle back to the thing that matters. Amen? Okay? Where's the gospel in this? Of course the gospel's in here. Because the imperatives are never far from the indicatives. It's always, always, always not about what you can and are doing. It's always about what Jesus has done and is doing. Okay? Let me show you. All right? So verse 24. Gospel shining bright. Why should you do all of that? Why should you commit to everything I just talked about? I love this. Verse 24. Since you know since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. How do I do all of that in the power of the gospel? Knowing that the things that are happening here are temporary. They're fleeting, the Bible says. And that you have an inheritance from your Father from God the Father, your perfect heavenly Father, who has offered you a place in His family and a reward in His kingdom. And you can do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing thing that when you show up at work tomorrow, it can be different than it has been for the past 10 years. That it can be different than it was on Friday. That you can walk in there knowing that you can work for Jesus and that he has an inheritance waiting for you. You want to know why you can lean around the cubicle and talk to the other person? Because you have an inheritance, whether they accept it or not. You want to know why you can uh, serve your boss with a smile, even if he's a jerk or she's a jerk? Because you have an inheritance found in Christ, and it's not attached to anything in this world. It's an amazing promise. Because when, when it's all about Jesus... It just changes what we're able to do. Just changes what we're able to function in, that, that we're able to uh, get joy out of everything that we do instead of just a few. So, so it, practically speaking, if you find yourself on Monday morning, tomorrow morning in a place that you wouldn't pick if you had just free choice, know that it's okay. That God's sovereign and he's put you where you are for a purpose and that he's working in you and through you to his goodwill and his good pleasure. And the Bible says that he who began a good work in you will finish it until the day of redemption. So God is always under the surface. The gospel is always moving. It's moving you towards him. And maybe today is the day where the gospel is moving you back to the center and saying, okay, God's shaping me here. And I can serve the Lord heartily with all of my heart. I can worship at work. Amen? And I can find joy there. I'm have the band come up and sing one more song. It's a really practical Sunday for you. Because tomorrow, most if not all of you are going to set foot somewhere at work. 
Some of you, I know, have gone back to work for the first time in a long time. I know there's many of you in here today that, that that's your thing. You know, you've, you haven't had to for a while, and now you are. I know some of you have gone back to school, and then it's, a lot of you are doing the same things. And I want you to know that wherever you find yourself, Jesus is there, and that he is with you. And, that, man, some of those scriptures, you need to just write them down and take them with you, that if God is for you, who can be against you? What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. These are all things that you can take with you when you go. And so wherever you find yourself, I just want to pray for you right now. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray for you right now. Then we're going to sing a song together. And let's just declare this song back to the Lord. One of the great things is to take things that God wrote or God created and sing them back to Him. And just declare His promises. What an amazing thing. But I want to pray for you right now that as you go to work tomorrow, that you would go in the power of the Holy Spirit and that you would be His witness and uh, that you would this year see people come to Christ because your perspective changed right now. Will you pray that with me? Father, I'm so grateful for Your Word. I'm so thankful that Your Word meets us right where we are. Father, first of all, we acknowledge that real slavery does exist. And we ask that you would just eradicate it from this planet. We ask that you would let justice flow. We pray that in the ways it meets us here in the United States, whether it be human trafficking or racism or abortion, whatever those things are that are far away from your heart, We know that you've called us to join you in the renewal of all things. We pray that your will would come, that your kingdom would come on earth just as it is in heaven. But Lord, we recognize that our text today says it starts with us. That it starts with how we walk out of our house Monday morning and serve you. That we would work heartily for you, knowing that in Jesus everything is secure. We have everything we need that we can serve expecting nothing in return. And so we praise you today, Father. Uh, We lift up the only name that is worthy. We lift it up, the name of your son, Jesus. And at his name we bow and we sing today. And it's in his name that we pray.